The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya, and we're going to be talking about parallel economies Authority fallacy, the debt ceiling. We'll talk a little bit about money supply, or we'd like to rename that the currency supply. Uh, but first, let's, uh, and also some projections on silver. There's been some good analysts talking about where the price of silver could be going over the next uh, six to 12 months. But first, Jerry, let's talk about uh, First Republic Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, what, we, what we know about it is uh, just to kind of get uh, some some context here it's the 14th largest bank in the u.s and um it is uh, famous for um being used by michael cohen to uh, make a payment to stormy daniels that's <laughs> that's a, that's about all i know about first uh, republic bank but it's in trouble they stopped trading on it this week it was down 30 percent earlier in the week then it became down 50 percent and they stopped trading mm-hmm. And um, just before we went um, uh, on air, we were talking about that banks were initially supporting this this bank. Other banks were supporting it. And now it sounds like they've pulled their support on it. And it looks like this, this bank is going to be um, uh, absorbed or seized by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot's going on with that bank. And a lot of other banks are involved. And, um, you know, but uh, the question is, what, why? Like, why are these banks uh, rushing to the rescue? Um, but it's important to know that First Republic was also involved in, in a lot of crypto, in, uh, had a lot of involvements in the crypto markets. Um, but depositors are, are leaving that bank in droves. And as a result, the, the, the banks are coming to the rescue. 11 banks, actually, in Mar- on March 16th, um, they, they rushed to the rescue rushing in to, um, to, to basically extinguish this inferno at a, comp- at a competitor bank, Jeremy, before it spread. So this contagion was spreading. 11 banks chipped in a total of $30 billion and bizarrely placed those funds as, in those, in, as insh- uninsured deposits into First Republic banks. Four banks contributed two-thirds of the deposits with J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo. Um, and, and again, if you read further, and this is coming from a report from the Wall Street on Parade, the 11 banks rushing to rescue First Republic Bank represent less than a fraction of 1% of the total banks. But hear this. The banking industry in the U.S. is not particularly regarded as, as an altruistic industry. In fact, its frequency resembles a blood sport. So why this uncanny, uncanny display of generosity to, to a competitor bank? And why were there... Why were just these 11 banks involved? That's a huge question to ask. Well, yesterday, they pulled up the most recent table from the Office of the Controller of Currency showing that 25 bank holding companies that have the largest exposure to to derivatives. And sure enough, each of these 11 banks are on the list. Equally noteworthy, four banks that have chipped in the giant sums of $5 billion each control more than half of the total 250 trillion value of derivatives controlled by the banks. 
let's just let's just slow that down and repeat that. Over two hundred and fifty trillion dollars in U.S. banking derivatives. That's right. Yeah. So so I think we can just we can add on hashtag panic this is, to, to this this whole debacle. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot of reports uh, about you know the the effects and the 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 poison and how destructive you know Warren Buffett called it the um, the weapons of mass of, of mass the financial weapons of mass destruction um, and these derivatives actually if you look at the holdings of derivatives if you look at the, this ranking system of the top 25 banks JP Morgan with uh, three trillion in assets has about 48 trillion in derivative exposure so of course these banks want to run to the rescue. This is what unites them all, that they're all interconnected with financial weapons of mass destruction, Jeremy. This is what uh, what people are calling the black swan of 2023. It's going to be a, a derivatives explosion. The number 18778-SILVER, the website guildhallwealth.com. We want to protect ourselves against these derivative dispo uh, exposures and against Exter's pyramid collapse, mm -hmm. which is a debt collapse that um, all, all currency as you know it today is built up on debt. And these debts um, have been placed on top of each other as a massive deck of cards. And what we're trying to do is to say, listen, this is not about participating in that system and hoping that you'll survive it. Uh, a, a house of cards is destined to fall. And so one of the ways that you can protect yourself against a collapsing deck of card, uh, a house of cards is to actually own real assets, have that foundation in place. The foundation will not go anywhere. Gold and silver have been around for thousands of years and they will continue to be that way going forward. They are real money. Real money is a store value, unlike a currency. So the number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Give us a call, and we'll show you how to get into the market step-by-step, step, at your pace, at your level. Um, we can do it direct. You can put it into an RSP or TFSA where your physical assets are directly owned by you but held outside the banking system. Um, you know, Jerry, when we're talking about these... Uh, bankers who are panicking, who have created all of this incredible amount of debt exposure. And, you know, we could, we could wonder all day about how it got to be that big, you know, um, just going after that golden goose, <laughs> right? Um, but I thought maybe this is a good time to bring up a subject I kind of want to have underlying today, which is uh, the logical fallacy. Um, what is that? That means, uh, just a quick kind of note, it's, it's saying a claim is true simply because an authority figure said so. Now, why is that important this week? Oh, I don't know. We've had our prime minister say he never told anyone to, to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. True or not true? People get mad at it because they said, well, I had to take one. You're saying you didn't, and then they show all the clips of him doing it. Right. Why is that? You know, if you go into the into the um, the concept of authority fallacy, in some ways, he's he he's right. He didn't tell anyone to get one. 
he didn't he didn't hold anyone down he just made it very difficult and said he would make it very difficult for you if you didn't but he didn't hold anyone down so technically he's right when he says i didn't it's it's like saying it's it's like just taking a little bit of truth to to mask your lie mm -hmm. same thing with fauci this week he came out and said I didn't close down schools. Close schools. You're right. Maybe you didn't stand in front of a school and say, block your arms out like a, like a tree hugger and say, you can't cut down this tree. And so you said, you can't close this down. But you did. You, you know, because what you did, and then funny, because we were talking about it this week saying, isn't it interesting in our market? Why am I talking about this? Because in our market, how many times have we seen over the years, which is, it's becoming less and less over the last couple of years. But in the past, we've seen a couple spoofing trades get the market to go in a direction downward. And all you're really trying to do, what these banks, uh, um, corrupt bankers were doing, was lighting a fuse. That's all you needed. A provocateur and a big crowd. Just light that fuse and you can get everyone else to follow along, mm -hmm. right? With the with the consensus reality, right, right. <laughs> which is another fallacy. But, um, but that's what they were hoping for. And that's what they did. And why am I saying all this? Because when you start to think about the bankers, um, you know, I remember in 2008, you had all these Goldman Sachs guys go to Congress and say, Listen, sir, I, I know I went to Harvard and Yale and I'm the smartest guy in this room. I, I, I guarantee you, I've been telling everyone my entire life, I am the smartest guy in this room. And even right now, I am still the smartest man in this room. But I have no idea what those derivatives were. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. But I'm so smart. I, I'm so damn smart outside of being uh, outside of testimonies but when it comes to testimony i can't remember a damn thing <laughs> that's always the case that to me is exactly what we're talking about here which yes. is why are we believing these people why are you saying well you know jamie Dimon said so he said the economy is going to be great so or or the authority figure of of jerome powell well he said so yeah exactly and we saw this last week as well at the at the um, Canadian uh, Committee on Banking and Commerce, we had the uh, the Bank of Canada governor come out and, and coming from Tiff Macklem. And last week, he said that they're maintaining the policy rate. They, they kept rates, that they're seeing inflation. This is his quote. Uh, Since the last time we were here with you, he says, we've seen a steady improvement in inflation and a modest economic growth. Inflation is coming down quickly, he said. Data this week show it fell 4.3% in March. And we will forecast to be around 3% this summer. Where Where's the prices going down, Jeremy? The only thing going down are is their CPI data, the <laughs> CPI figure. Everything else is still up. The prices are going up. Inflation is not going down. So exactly the same thing. They're saying one thing, but it's totally, it's totally a gaslight that's happening. And people are not taking it. They're taking the money away from this type of system. And they're creating a parallel. And a parallel away from derivatives, which are a contract whose value is linked to the value of an underlying asset. Well, our currency doesn't have an underlying asset. These derivatives markets certainly don't. The, f the foreign exchange market does not. What is that underlying asset? According to Exeter's Pyramid, that underlying asset 
is your power money, your gold, and your physical silver. You need to get it AS ASAP. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. Get some physical precious metal. Remember, if you can't hold it, you don't own it. This is The Real Money Show on AM640. Much, much more to come. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. It's all about protecting your, your wealth becoming your own central bank, getting out of the system. We're going to talk a little bit more about parallel economies because that's something that we're seeing happen in a big, big way with the BRICS nations. But first, let's talk about, Jerry, the what they call the money supply. Why do I say they call it the money supply? Because uh, what, it, what we're talking about right now is the fact that uh, the money supply has been contracting for four straight months in a year-over-year fashion. Um, What's interesting, though, and what that what that's telling us is that the Fed is sucking cash out of the system to try to slow down inflation. So the idea that it should be in our heads is that, well, we printed all this money and it's all just floating around and we need to suck that froth out of the system. And by doing that, we will have less money in the system and we will bring down inflation. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of is, is what they're, they're trying to say couple things when I when I hear this number one um, it's not money it's currency they should call it the currency supply secondly they don't actually print the currency to put it out into the into the world what they do is they actually create debt so what it should be known as is the debt currency supply so let's get the names right mm-hmm. it's the debt currency supply yeah. or the currency debt supply now the idea is still, and perhaps this goes back to the Bank of Canada, is if you're putting a noose around the neck of loans and you're not lending as much, that means companies go bankrupt. That means that money ceases to exist, the, that, um, that production ceases to exist. And the idea here by the quote-unquote experts is that that should slow down inflation. No more, no more printing money, or no more printing debt currency. Economy should slow down, and so how do you slow inflation? You you strangle it, Jerry. <laughs> That's how you slow it down. You strangle it. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Um, now, ironically, the uh, Republicans in Congress have a slightly different view. <laughs> Um, which is that they, they're fighting with the debt ceiling and they passed a 1.5 trillion debt ceiling, right? Which on, on its face sounds like, oh brother, here we go again, another 1.5 trillion. But it did come with some, some major strings attached, which is, uh, they proposed to freeze spending to 2022 levels, which is actually a 14% reduction in spending over the, over the next few years. They want to roll back Biden's health plan, some things with Biden's health uh, spending, climate spending, and tax laws. So they want to take away green energy tax breaks. They want to cancel the student loan forgiveness. They want to rescind, rescind the $80 billion pledged to the 
uh, internal revenue agency. So that's like, you know, when they want to hire 50,000, mm -hmm. 70,000 um, agents with guns to go after your taxes, um, even though they said they'd only go after billionaires. But I mean, billion billionaires are the ones behind the Congress people to it didn't work, right? right. Um, so scaling that back. So they're trying to scale that back. But the thing is, is that now this will head down. Now this will will go to uh, the Senate, and Biden will veto it, most likely, and you're heading for a showdown, mm -hmm. which I think will be interesting because they they are saying, well, we're going to give it to you. You just have to, you just have to make it look you like can't a fight. Yeah, you just can't do these things anymore. So we'll we'll see what what happens with that. So the idea there is, how does that work against what the Fed is doing? Well, if you're going to, I mean, in some ways it doesn't because you're, you're still printing, you're still printing currency, you're still going into debt, um, but you're trying to pull it back. And that's the only thing that's going to get inflation down is, is if governments can stop going into debt, if they can pull but rein in their spending, right, the debt spending, um, but that shouldn't be come at a cost of, of limiting productivity in mm -hmm. your economy. Yeah, that's that's the seeing. part that doesn't make sense. Why would you limit productivity? You want productivity. Mm -hmm. Don't limit it. Yep. And we, see, we saw that all week this week. This week was earnings week. Earnings disappointing across the board, um, including the GDP, which contracted in the U.S. this Wednesday. The U.S. GDP, the expectations was a 2% expansion. It actually expanded just 1%. Also, Canada expanded the slowest pace since 2020 today. Uh, led by financial financials, of course, and construction, because we love building stuff in here in Canada. Uh, but lagging was for uh, manufacturing and retail was also down in Canada. Jobs also down. But the thing that remained flat was inflation. So there's strangulation on inflation is not working, but it is contracting and it's breaking the economy. And we're hearing rumors and murmuring about you know, we have to stop the uh, the interest rate hikes, and we'll have to start money printing again, and to to bail things out again. May third, we're all anticipating the U.S. Federal Reserve's potentially last rate hike, and we can see the dollar, the U.S. dollar index, it's not moving at all. It's stuck at this 101 and a half level, um, all waiting for the algorithms to to pick up the words from. Uh, Jay Powell on May 3rd. Um, and really, it's not about this rate hike because it's already baked in. We already expect a 25 basis point rate hike. It's all about the speech afterwards and what the outlook is. And the bets are on that he's going to be slowing down, if not pausing, and the potential pivot that's, that's happening. And it's justified now. Look, GDP is down. They're breaking the economy. Earnings are down. He's now justified to say, hey, guys, we did our best. We'll have to pivot on the rate hikes, which only means inflation. Inflation will continue because the whole reason was for the rate increases because they released 40-year high inflation, Jeremy. That was, that's why we're in this mess. They're totally trapped. And, you know, knowing this, this is, this is classic when you have a GDP contraction, slowing jobs, and you're slowing growth, this is the combination for stagflation. And this is the argument for precious metals. The only thing that performs during times of stagflation is your gold and your silver, Jeremy. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, was, I was flipping through 
last night trying to find something to watch on Netflix was just getting harder. Um, yeah. And, but they had this thing trying to teach people about money. Okay. <laughs> Brought to you by Netflix. Yeah. And, and it was uh, uh, an authority figure, an expert, um, advisor, teaching about inflation. And he was kind of trying to be cool with his speech and, you know, <laughs> try to relate to the people. And he yeah. said, inflation means that the price of things are going to go up. So you have to invest your money to keep up kind of thing, right? I'm getting so annoyed by the concept of things just being phenomena mm -hmm. without any... It, you know, for, for a society that is so obsessed with the uh, origin stories, mm -hmm. right? The Batman begins, the everything begins, the beginning, the origin stories. Yet somehow we live in a world where phenomena, like things that happen are just, they just happen. Inflation just happens. Mm -hmm. It just happens. That's what the authority figures say. Everyone who at the Fed doesn't say, you know, Powell doesn't get up there and say, well, you know, we... Um, we debt spent, uh, you know, we, we put $6 trillion on our balance sheet. And putting that money, currency, debt into the system um, was bound to make prices go up. Mm -hmm. No, it's just a natural phenomenon. And how do we do it? We're going to strangle it to get <laughs> it down, okay? We're going to fight the beast. Well, how did the beast come about? Well, I, I don't know, Frankenstein, maybe you created it? That's right. Maybe that's what it is? Like, how come we don't talk about the why, like, why don't they talk about the beginning? Inflation is not a mystery. When you deficit spend like crazy and put the, put the cash and currency out into the ether, it's going to make everything go up. I mean, you guys were lucky. You, go, you got first, first dibs at the spigot. You, were, you had your hands out right at the beginning. And then it trickles down and everyone's paying, you know, 30, 40% income tax and then their HST and then inflation's at 15% and they turn around, they're debt slaves. And then, the, and then, and then the ironic part is that they're all scared that the CBDCs are going to come in and that somehow these people who have wrecked everyone's lives with all of this uh, inflation debt, um, that we're going to somehow go along with it. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Not at all. And you know, when you have the, the creation story about where this inflation came out, you also need to skew the very gauge to track this inflation. And which is why we, we follow the shadow stats. And John Williams, he did an amazing report, which was uh, done back in, um, back in 2013. It was, a, it was a public comment on inflation measurement in the chain CPI. And he wrote that the consumer price index has been reconfigured since early 1980s so as to understate inflation versus the common experience. And he hits the point that CPI no longer measures the cost of maintaining a constant standard of living. And the use of CPI is to adjust retirement benefits and private income or to set investment goals. Now, this is where, this is where it hits home for me because, you know, we're using the inflation, this 4% is what they're saying here in Canada and 5 in the in the US to to pay retirement benefits to the elderly Jeremy it's it's based on that if we use the shadow stats data according to them going from year to year change uh, since 1983 to to, to March 2023 the official quote unquote official CPI rate is around 5% 
But according to the 1980s-based inflation, we are hitting 13%. So right away, we have a real gauge, and we have to get this data because we have to, first of all, you and I, Jeremy, have to offer some real information and data for the, for the people that come to us and ask what's going on. But this is, a, this is very important, and it comes to, for me, it's ethics. So there's two things. There's one, the, pension, the pensioner who, who's getting 6% instead of 13%, and you wonder, do, are they noticing? I'm sure they're noticing. And then you also wonder why um, retirement ages are being lifted everywhere because the pension plans are a Ponzi scheme um, or a victim of low interest rates for decades um, or a decade plus. Pensions, insurance, if they couldn't keep up above the above inflation rate, then you're out of enough interest in, to pay out everything you need to pay out you're you're no different you're no different than than the banks that don't have any cash in the banks that's right right um or that they don't have enough collateral to pay everybody out so this is why again when we're thinking about the house of cards and the fragility of the system and the financial system and the banking system it First priority, take care of yourself. First priority, make sure that you're going to survive. First priority is that you retain your wealth. And that's why we look at having physical precious metals as part of a portfolio. It's not the whole answer, but it's a good, it's a good fix to have some precious metals in your portfolio. They've always performed well. You know, you look at the price of gold, $35 an ounce in 1971, cusping $2,000 an ounce today. 19 uh sorry 2000 price of silver is 250 dollars an ounce today it's over it's around two thousand dollars this is only going to continue and surprisingly nominally speaking it's uh two thousand dollars an ounce but in terms of value it's incredibly undervalued against the debts that are out there silver ho ho wait till you hear some of the outlooks for silver I believe them. We'll tell you why we believe them in the next segment. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. It's the Real Money Show on AM six forty. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com we've been talking about the fragility of the financial system the deck of the house of cards that it is and making sure that you can protect yourself with actual physical assets gold and silver being a couple of hard assets that have worked for thousands of years something else that has also worked for um for tens of tens of hundreds of years as well um did I say that right? For hundreds of centuries. years, centuries, thank you, um, are diamonds, natural fancy colored diamonds, treasure. Yes. And um, I thought we'd start uh, to talk about that a little bit with um, Jacob and Co. Um, just created a $20 million yellow diamond watch designed specifically for billionaires. Beautiful. Um, I took a look at it. It is crazy. Um, what they had to do to find the amount of yellow diamonds and cut the yellow diamonds so that they all matched. 
So basically it's a yellow diamond. I think they're all Escher cut or something like that or cushion cut and they're all uniform. So I don't know what the uh, clarity on each one is, but to get that many diamonds of, of that strength of color to make a bracelet like that and then put it all around the put it all around face. the face and every oh my gosh 20 million dollars just for billionaires now why spend 20 million dollars on a watch jerry rarity jeremy and this is this is a, a timeless asset you know this is an asset class watches art fine wine um and now natural fancy color diamonds is is the hot topic because this is concentrated wealth and you can literally have $20 million on your wrist. There's no better way to pass on wealth privately and easily like a natural fancy color diamond. And they are super rare. This is going to be a one-of-a-kind piece, obviously, this Jacob & Co. watch. And that is the key here for, for us. What makes an investment-grade diamond? They, this is the potential. Uh, you know, These diamonds do have the potential to appreciate over time, making them a great option for your hard asset portfolio for collectors and investors and that and that facet would be rarity that is the critical factor uh, that makes our diamonds investment grade the rarer a diamond is the higher the value so this is this is economics 101 when we're looking at investment grade stones and what's interesting as well which makes it very easy to understand is the value is also part of the quality the better the quality it is the more naturally rare it's also going to be so for example the stronger the color well if you just think about it, it's harder to find stronger colors than weaker colors so a stronger color is going to naturally have more value and then you're going to match that with maybe the size of the diamond the larger the diamond the more rare that that's going to be so if you match the the strength of the color with the size of the diamond okay you're getting there well what about clarity well a uh, uh, better clarity is going to be more rare than something that has less clarity. So if you can match those three together now, you're into something even more rare. And then finally, you could get into something like the, the actual shape of the diamond. You know, is it is it a heart shaped? Is it is it oval? Mm -hmm. Is it uh, is it a typical cushion cut? Something like that. The the type of shape it is can also and obviously that it's a quality shape, not shallow, not deep. Um, not wide, not narrow, these type of things, the quality that's going to create the scintillation and whatnot is, is going to add. So you, you actually don't have to be, you don't have to go to school for four years to start to understand what to look for. Right. You could, you could just say, no, I'm just going to stick with, give me the highest quality, quality. I can. And I'm probably 90% of the way there of finding myself an investment grade diamond. Although I said 90%, I would say maybe more like 60 because 40% are going to be what, what it does to you in person. True. I had a client in my office this morning, and he said, you know, I love buying gold and silver. I just love having it like in my hands when I go home to take, like just to take it away from me, uh, to take it away after I've purchased it. I just love that feeling of having that asset in my hand. And we know we that a lot, yeah. from... Anytime someone comes to the office, how does this work? They say, show me how this works. Come to the office, show you how it works. Here, put a hundred ounce bar in your hand. Here, put this gold maple, one ounce gold maple in your hand. Okay? Mm -hmm. You feel the energy of it. Feel so the powerful. warmth. Yes, Gold is always warm mm -hmm. to the touch. It's, it's, it's wild. And there's an aha moment. Same thing with diamonds. You, if you looked at a tray of colored diamonds, 
one of them is just going to call to you and you just won't be able to take your eyes off of it, like love at first sight. You're just going to lock eyes with that diamond. And so that's a big, big part of the, of, of the pursuit yes. of the diamonds as well. That's where people fall in love with the collecting of For colored sure. diamonds because you could look at a whole stack and something just kind of calls to you yeah. in the distance and you say, yep, that's, that's what I love about that's it. That's the one. And then you, and then you verify. <laughs> to yeah. show me this report, me this right? Yes. Yeah, let me look at this under the under the loop and make sure that I'm getting something good. Um, you know, typically they would say uh, for every 10,000 white diamonds, there would be uh, one colored diamond. And then to get to the type of quality that we're discussing here, you're probably into the one-tenth of one percent. And to understand just how rare that is, just here's one quick example. We have a 2.64 intense yellow diamond internally flawless. There's about six to 11 similar diamonds that come to market every year. Now that's not saying if it's a shallow or deep diamond or if it's a narrow diamond, you how know, well how, how well it's cut. Does it have that, that sparkle and scintillation and fire that you're looking for? You know, you'd probably have to handicap that a little bit, but just to know that at something like this in and around the $70,000 range, you're, you're in such an elite league where no one else can have that. No one else can have these things, but you can have it. Mm -hmm. And in these type of in this type of financial atmosphere, where really it's it's not only uncertain, but you can you know like Dorothy <laughs> looking out into the distance, you can see that storm is coming. That's right. They're they're ta everyone's talking about it. You can see the wind in the trees blowing, and you want to protect yourself. And one of the ways to do that would be get the cash out of the system, protect yourself put it into an asset that you can hold and ride through these tough times and make sure that as well going into this last segment where we're going to really focus on where silver's going but also the parallel economies making sure you you've got that parallel to you and that these type of assets take them anywhere wherever you want to go Weather you the know storm. They're private transactions. You don't need uh, to involve a lawyer. Um, they're very easy, very portable, concentrated wealth. Give us a call. Love to show you how it all works. Or go to the website, guildhallwealth.com. Or again, give us a call at one eight seven seven eight silver More to come on The Real Money Show next segment on AM640. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. Jerry, before, very quick, before we get into the idea of parallel economies, um, I thought it might be a nice treat to go over some of um, uh, the predictions for precious metals, specifically silver. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. There was, um, now this was something that was, that Tom Lancey spoke about on his newsletter through Arcadia Economics. Great, great uh, um, uh, site to go to on YouTube. But uh, this past week, city analysts led by Maximilian Layton uh, told Forbes that the U.S. dollar still has room to weaken. Um, Layton and the city analysts stated that precious metals, and especially silver, have near-perfect conditions for the ongoing bull market. They also pr projected that silver could increase by 18% to around $30 per ounce in the coming months. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. 
Um, and I agree that could definitely happen. We're at twenty five dollars. Start to move towards twenty eight. Break twenty eight. You're to thirties. It's it's almost expected you hit thirty. Additionally, the city analyst noted a distinct possibility of even $34 an ounce in the next 6 to 12 months. On another note, um, FX Empire analyst Christopher Lewis emphasized on Thursday that silver continues to threaten resistance, and Lewis added, on the upside, if we were to take out the recent highs, then we could be looking at to $27 level, um, which has been important. Yeah, that, that's actually that's actually exactly what we just said. <laughs> you break <laughs> pretty much break 27, 28, you're in a new territory. By the way, this article that I'm um, quoting is by Jamie Redman of Bitcoin.com. Interesting. Um, okay, so uh, FX Empire analyst Christopher Lewis also went on to say that if we take that out then it's possible that we may enter a phase where the silver market takes off like it did a couple of times in the past, trying to get all the way to the $50 level. In a January 30th article on Seeking Alpha, author Anna Socolito suggested that silver could reach $30 this year. There's a lot of people starting to say that. Citing Nikki Shields, head of metal strategist at Macro for MKS Pamp Group, a product that we Pamp. sell here at Guildhall. Um, she said the bullish case predicts that one, one ounce of silver could reach $30 or more. Should I keep going? Because there's more. That's good. Let's keep going. Janie Simpson, managing director of ABC Bullion, also shared an optimistic outlook for $30 silver, stating silver has historically delivered gains close to 20% per annum in years where inflation was high. Given the track record and how cheap silver remains relative to gold, it wouldn't surprise to see silver head towards $30 per ounce this year, though that will likely offer significant resistance. Um, pretty good. There's also one from uh, the Kitco Outlook um, reporting that silver prices could rally more than 50% in 2023. Um, they surveyed 1,482 investors about the price of silver by the end of 2023, and retail investors saw the price rising to $38 an ounce, which is pretty optimistic, um, and that eventually it would surpass 40. Mm -hmm. I see it. I mean, gold continues to move higher. U.S. dollar is going to weaken. It's always going to move. Nothing goes up in a straight line or down in a straight line. The U.S. dollar will continue to weaken over time. It, the, the debts were created. The inflation is here. The currency is already in the system. It, it's, it's a guarantee in my mind that the price moves higher. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. What's going to matter in the, down the road is do you even have any? Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Do you even have it? And do these uh, ETFs, does the paper markets have the physical and the under underlying physical markets? This is going to be a huge uh, squeeze in the paper markets that's going to propel silver to record levels coming up. I believe in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see heights that we have never seen. I could see triple digit silver, Jeremy. I, I just thought of a, of, of a great meme, um, like, a, a, like a Victorian British painting of like a woman, like kind of uh, lying uh, passed away in Fate. a river and and the and the and the title says I owned gold but in an ETF <laughs> That's right. and that that was the morality tale if you own your physical if you own gold in in these type of vehicles you don't actually own anything it's an investment and when it comes time to try to hold it you, you can't get your hands on it. You never actually owned it, and that's my morality tale. And that, that's our morality tale. If you cannot <laughs> hold it, 
you do not own it. And this is very key. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. Jerry, let's talk about parallel economies. Let's do it. I'm seeing it and hearing about it all the time, Jeremy. I had the privilege of speaking to um, many groups over the past um, year and a half um, because of the fringe being cornered in society. We have cornered and joined forces. Not fringe, not fringe. Well, we are the, the silent majority. Si the silent majority. No longer fringe. And, you know, we have come together. These are industrious entrepreneurs. Some have actually left and moved to places like Nicaragua, Costa Rica. They decided to leave. I mean, rightfully so. We have that right to maintain a certain standard of living and happiness. Um, the cost of living in these places are actually a lot lower, so why not? But the, but the theme here is parallel. Um, you know, when you start cornering, just like there's a quote that says, you know, freedom like gold will just leave the country where it's undervalued. So we have really, really cornered ourselves and we met and we started, you know, we we're starting to meet and, and, and discuss ways to, um, combat being cornered, right? You're talking about trade and talking about business. You know, people no longer want to subscribe to, to a society and to authorities that are going to be cornering their money, cornering their, um, the way they live and being coerced to do many things. And a majority of these people have, you know, left the medical industry, Jeremy. So it's, it's a remarkable time to really hear these people out and, and really help them because many of them have left. They're now unemployed. Uh, medical, you know, from the medical industries, and we're, we're helping them move their liras, these locked-in retirement once pensions, into physical gold. So we're moving out of the traditional banking system now and into the vault, uh, you know, outside of the banking system. But meeting these people, it's just been amazing to see how we have maneuvered and creating a parallel, you know, very, very similar to what the what we've seen with the BRIC nations, the massive the massive move away from the de dollar the massive move away from the US dollar and de dollarization. These countries have banded together, moved on, life goes on, and we're now trading with our with our own currencies. Multipolar, no longer unipolar. And that's the, that's what we're seeing on the micro level here in society. It's amazing, Jeremy. And and macro with the BRICS, the idea is to be, you know, that they want their sovereignty and they don't want to be under anyone's thumb that, oh, we don't like what you're doing, we're going to sanction you. You know, and, and the, what your clients are doing is great too because they're saying, look, I'm building my life to have a parallel and part of that paralleling process is to make sure that my wealth is also sovereign and protected and outside the system. And that doesn't mean you don't use currencies. It doesn't mean that you're paying with gold or eating your gold. It means that you're using it to protect the wealth outside the system. Mm -hmm. That does it for another edition of The Real Money Show. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. Thank you for everyone. Can't wait to speak to you next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.